Chris Chaus and welcome back to the show. We got Jake, we got Chris in the house, and you know, we rebranded this show, man. There is no more street chub. This is the Fantasy Headliners podcast. Now we are retiring the chub because it got a little too floppy. What's going on, fellas? Uh, mm, I don't, I don't know if I want to consider my chub floppy. Um, but here's the deal you're exactly right, and as much as we love the whole straight chubness. Uh, I think a lot of people weren't finding us because they're searching for the fantasy headliners. They're seeing a straight Chubb logo and they don't realize it's us. So you know what? We figured we'd go ahead and throw the logo on there. We'd call it the Fantasy Headliners Podcast because there's just too much good information in the show not to share with the people. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Number one, it's great to be back after a little two-week hiatus of being away. So nice to be back. Hey, and where the hell you been, man? Like, shit. I know. You know what it was? It's stupid COVID. Finally, two years. Two Dude. years, I was fine. I was clear. I was doing well, and then COVID came and decided to kick my ass. He just he just wanted to vacay. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Season's over. Pay just time off. Yeah, That's right. man. I'm, I'm claiming COVID next week myself. So yeah. guys, exactly. I have I have COVID in air quotes. <laughs> exactly, air quotes. COVID. But you know what, man? Let's dive in first. It's Monday Night Football. Let's get it out the way. I know, Jake. I'm sorry, man. Oh, it I'm was... out. We'll talk to you later. Okay, see you. Yep, see you. See you. <laughs> it was awful. I just you know what? I had to bring this up because. I don't understand what the hell happened to Kai. I'm sorry. I, I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I just don't get what happened to Kyler, man. Like, seriously, like the last five, six weeks, seven weeks of the season, he injures his ankle. It all started with Green Bay. He, he's out for what? Three, four weeks, comes back against Chicago, lights up Chicago with running. Like, he scored, what, four touchdowns that game. And then, yeah, he sprinkled in some good contests like Dallas and Indy. But, I mean, he wasn't the same. We haven't seen Kyler really run anymore. So, Tell me, man, he had to have been hurt more than what they were letting on. No, mm. that is not my thought process. Do you want to hear my thought process? Let's because here I'm sitting here as an overweight, middle-aged man, and I feel like I have the Cardinals pretty well dialed in. Here's exactly what the problem is with this team. They are so busy trying to be another team. They're trying to be the Buccaneers. They're trying to be the Rams. They're trying to be this high-powered offense. And when DeAndre Hopkins went down, things changed. And But the offense didn't really. They're trying to make Kyler Murray go out there, you know, you know, roll out to the right, roll out to the left, make big plays happen instead of just taking the easy underneath routes and moving the change. This offense turned into an offense that was very successful on the ground. I mean, James Conner had one of the best seasons, you know, we've seen in Arizona from a running back perspective in a long time. And then all of a sudden, the last few weeks, which I know he was banged up, but him and Chase Edmonds, for the most part, just basically disappear. They stop running the football. They try to have everything deep down the field. They stopped utilizing Zach Ertz consistently. Nobody was there in the short to intermediate routes. It was all deep down the field. It was either big play or bust. And there was just way more bust second half of the season. And it, it led to their early demise. I mean, the entire offense, as bad as Kyler looked, it feels like he was trying to force too much. Mm. And I have a feeling that's because all the all the routes that were being run, they're all deep down the field. He's having to try to extend plays. The offensive line can't protect long enough. And then you just got him going out there and playing gunslinger, which is just not, it's not his game. It's not what he excels at. Uh, and, and I hate to see it. But the, the way that they fail to use the likes of Rondell Moore, AJ Green is an absolute nightmare. I mean, I don't even know if that guy even cares much anymore. Uh, Christian Kirk, the only thing they do with Kirk is a, is a deep ball. He, he's running a go route, and either he catches a fifty yard bomb or he's you know non existent. So 
It, it's kind of hard to watch, but honestly, as bad as Kyler looked, I still have to put some of that blame on Cliff. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned with, with James Conner, Jake, because that's exactly what I've been seeing over the last few weeks. Yeah, Conner missed a couple of games, but when Conner was, was in, the second Edmonds came back in, it's like Conner was almost an afterthought. He went from getting 18 to 20 carries a game to 13, maybe 14, you know, a couple games with single digits. And Connor was really what was helping to drive this offense outside of Kyler Murray. And when they started going away from Connor, that's where we really started to see this offense start to struggle. And, and look where we saw some success from Connor second half of the season. It was in the passing game. The guy was yeah. racking up receptions like that was Kyler's dump down. And then all of a sudden he just hasn't been there. Nobody's been there for that dump off here as of late. It's, it's just it was ugly. I, I stopped. I stopped watching like second quarter. And I don't understand. It can't just be D-Hop. D-Hop leaves. I mean, D-Hop was playing hurt for majority of the year. So, okay, fine. Decoy. I get it. But you weren't using Rondale at all. Wesley became your dude. And I'm like, I Who? don't under. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand why. Like, AJ Green, I'm with you. I think he checked out, man. It was like, you know what? I'm done. We can't do this. I can't I can't be a wide receiver one without D-Hop anymore. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to yep. play anymore. But I Cliff Kingsbury bugged me in this in this stretch when they were losing because again he went back like at the beginning of the season when they're winning like shit you can't tell me a team that wins what ten games on the road or, or seven games on the road ten points or more whatever the stat is you can't tell me that they didn't have it dialed in they were in and then all of a sudden Cliff forgot how to coach man he forgot how to adjust he wasn't creative again no motions on your line no run game like you guys are saying I'm I'm so confused with this with this demise that just came with the Cardinals I'm I just I'm baffled yeah it's it's hard to watch. Um, just probably because of the way the first half of the season went, right? I mean, they were arguably the best team in football the first eight, ten weeks of the season. Like it was, it wasn't even really close the first eight weeks. Like it was the Cardinals atop everybody's rankings at number one. And, and I can't just be the guy that just sits back and blames one injury or another. I think it's a culmination of things. But one thing is, once the injury started to rack up, the team had no heart and didn't fight through it. There was no next man up mentality. It was just a, uh, I guess we'll go out there and just do our best, and it was just never enough. It's interesting. I, I saw a, a tweet earlier today of the last, lack of success that Cliff Kingsbury has had at the end of the season. Going back to 2013 at Texas Tech, I mean, going back to 2013, you know, finished the season losing five of six, four of six, four of six, and it just goes on and on all the way up until the season. The guy just doesn't know how to finish out years after starting off on a hot note, and I don't know what it's going to take for him to kind of resurrect that or, or or change that and try to get the fortunes turned in his favor I, I wish i had the answer to it but i mean you think about that what could logically cause that i mean you're talking about different personnel you're talking about the difference between college and nfl i mean how can something translate every year when all the the pieces are different like it's not like you have the same right. problem and you just can't figure it out it's like every year it's different but he still has the same problem and i don't understand that like what what is the reason? And I'm, I don't know the answer. Like, what is the logical reason that that could be a thing where he struggles end of seasons? I mean, 
Is it because he doesn't mentally build up the team enough that they feel like once they've got it, they've got it and they slack off? Because, I mean, I don't know what else could cause that. He's like out coaching himself almost. Like that's that's as far as it, like I, I still baffle. I don't understand why Kyler stopped running. Like he doesn't run anymore. These last four or five weeks, he was not running. That's why I was saying, you know, is he is he injured? Does Is that ankle still a problem? You know, is he scared to get re-injured? But then I was like, OK, maybe that opinion will pass because the playoff game, you know, it's do or die. We're going to see Kyler take. He didn't do anything last night with his legs basically at all. I, I just everything about the Cardinals and, and Kingsbury. And, and I'm a Kingsbury guy, man. You're making my opinion look bad, Cliff. Like shit, dude. Well, Jake, you mentioned it really well in the the group chat last night was, you know, there was a trick play they ran in the first quarter. And instead of just going for the easy first down, you know, the short Mm -hmm. yardage play, they decided to go for that big home run ball just to make it look flashy. And that's been an issue that I've been noticing with the Cardinals is it's it's a lot of it's the play calling. It's he's just not calling the right plays in the right situations, going for too much when he doesn't necessarily have to. Yep, And Kyler's having to extend plays because. They're running so many routes deep down the field. There was a play last night also. It was a deep ball once again, and there was two receivers in the same vicinity of the same ball. How does that even remotely happen? I can honestly say that I've watched too much football this year. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that one time all year long on an actual... It was like a... It was an actual play call like they were we didn't even see that with we didn't even see that with the cardinals this year not at all i mean you don't ever see it now you know maybe if you got a quarterback running for his life and he just throws up a hail mary sure there's going to be guys in the same vicinity but you had an outside receiver running a go route you had one of the slot receivers running an outside post and they were literally in the same spot they didn't know who the ball was going to and that that just can't happen and that's what happens when you try to get too cute and you try to send too many people deep just sometimes you got to take the easy five eight yard pass move the chains get a first down and keep on moving they don't do that in arizona yeah it was ugly now i'm all heated damn it that's why see i bring it up to get the juices flowing man you know it keeps you young man keeps you young at heart right the oldest guy here that's that's all the games we're talking about for tonight right so that's great no we're we're sorry let me go get my let me go get my helmet because it's victory (laughs) tuesday and we you know what man I'm, i'm sleeping well these days sleeping very well i don't i don't toss and turn these days I'm sorry, Chris. It was, you know what I said? <laughs> I don't want to, you know, gloat too much because you know what? I'd feel really the shitty. The hell you don't. I, I should do. show everybody really our do. group messages. <laughs> Woo! Let's go, Buffalo, man. 47 to 17. The Bills, you know, that, that 17 shouldn't even be on there. It was basically 47 nothing. Bills, baby. Let me break some of this down. They had the NFL's perfect game, man. I don't think this has ever happened, man. Seven drives, seven touchdowns. No punts, no fumbles, no picks. Josh is a madman. 21 and 35, 308, five touchdowns, 66 rushing. And Devin Singletary is uh, the new uh, playoff Lenny, apparently, because we're going to call him playoff Devi he goes 18 or 16 81 2 and and I mean these bills man they looked good Chris I'm sorry buddy I really am but I'm but I'm not really no you're you're I mean you're absolutely right and I and I'm I didn't say anything that night because I needed to just just wash myself away with my emotions but the next day I said it the bills played an absolute perfect game you know, they I mean, there was literally nothing that New England or I think any team for that matter, because New England going into that game was a top five, top six defense in the league. So I don't think there could have been any other team that could have done very, very much difference to stop the Bills or even to slow them down. I mean, Josh Allen, the plays that he was doing, it was exactly what he did in the second regular season game in New England 
uh, against the Patriots. It was just extending the play with his legs. It was finding the open guy when nobody thought a player would be open. It was him just doing the little things. And I remember seeing earlier today sound bites of the sidelines from Jordan Poyer. Mm. And just, I mean, he was just gushing about Josh Allen while the plays were going on. I mean, just going on and on about Allen and how, you know, how great he is and how, how much of a dog he is. And it was as a Patriots fan, as awful as it was to watch as a football fan, it was freaking mesmerizing. I, I, I hate to get to this point <laughs> because I mean, I feel like it doesn't matter what I say. It's just going to make Chouse's head bigger and bigger and bigger. Because You know what? I deserve it though, man. Come on. Four Super Bowl losses, 20 years of Tom Brady. I deserve some, some pleasure to come my way. I mean, I get it, but you literally knocked us both down just to prop yourself up here. And yeah, now I'm supposed no to say such thing. And now I'm supposed to talk about the, the great things of the Buffalo bills here, but here's, here's what it is. And it's, it's super simple when you actually kind of take a look at it. When you think of NFL playoffs, when you think of Super Bowl winners, what is really important come playoff time? It's running the football and it's playing good defense. Like that's what wins Super Bowls. Uh, yeah. The flashy high powered offenses, they'll get you to where you need to be, but come playoff time, you have to be able to move the ball. And here's what I found pretty interesting about Buffalo. There is only one team right now left in the playoffs that ranks top 10 in passing offense, rushing offense, total defense, and turnovers caused. The only team remaining that has top 10 in all those, it's the Buffalo Bills. And that is that says something because you have the number one overall defense. You have the third overall defense when it comes to turnovers. And then you have the number six rushing offense and number nine passing offense. It just the stars are aligning Chouse. And if you can get through this weekend, if you can get through this weekend, they could be up for some, some, some good times in Buffalo, but I I still can't just hand it to him yet. I I, I get it. I get it. And I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll break down that Casey game, but I mean, the bills thing too, man, they were the only team I think in, in the league. I don't know if it was this year or history that won. I think it was, yeah, no, it was just this this year, this year, I think of, of 10, uh, 10 games winning over 12 points. They're the only team to do that. Next closest was eight. So, I mean, you can tell, and like the close games, they didn't win. So that's, that's the difference with this bills team. So any, any game that was under the 10 point threshold, they struggled to pull those out. The, the, the ones come to mind, the Tampa Bay game. He almost came back. And I'm going to blame the refs for that one. I hate doing that. Uh, Whatever, but Dak. The, <laughs> but I got legitimate, man. I'm taking accountability here because you know what? We did suck in that first half and Allen put them on their back. But I mean, the three uh, missed calls on holding on digs in that game. They The Bills should have won that game. The Tennessee game, that one's on Josh Allen. He couldn't get one freaking inch to score the touchdown on the QB sneak. But the there's... Right. <laughs> it's I mean, it is what it is. Right. And these bills, man, they looked good. I won't talk about them anymore because I can see Chris is kind of like, you know, he's he's sad over there. I don't want to. Uh, here's it. a trivia question. And maybe maybe Chris knows the answer to it. So if if we take away the turnover section part of it and we just look at passing offense, rushing offense and total defense, there is only one other team besides the bills that finished inside the top 12 in each category. Do you know which team it is? Oh, good question. Out of the remaining playoff teams? Yep. Tampa Bay? Nope. Cincinnati? Nope. Who? Tennessee. The San Francisco mother oh, 49ers. Wow. Look at these Niners, hey? They finished 12th in passing offense, 7th in rushing offense, and 3rd overall in total defense. Wow. The biggest issue with them, though, is who's the quarterback this week? With Jimmy G banged up once again. Right. 
is this going to be Trey Lance time against the uh, Green Bay Packers in the playoffs? Like, I, I, I doubt it, man. He's going to have to suit up, man. He's going to have he, broken arm and finger and everything. He's suiting up. I don't know. What's his injury? Everything. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a thumb ligament. I know that I don't know if it's it's hurt. It's it's bad. He's been dealing with that for weeks. And then didn't he just hurt? Was it a shoulder or something? I don't know. I don't pay attention. I'm not a 49ers fan. I'm not a doctor around here. Call Ethan. True. Very true. <laughs> he's well, hurt. Charles, I will say, um, out of the the you guys lost what five games? Five games all year. Yeah. yeah. Out of those five games, four of those games, you guys failed to reach a hundred total rushing yards. Right. Every other game, at least a buck twenty in every other game. So that's that shows me right there that you know if you guys can run the ball successfully, you know when teams aren't just honing in on Josh Allen and like you mentioned earlier in the show, that's what we've seen from Devin Singletary late, lately. If he can continue that throughout the playoffs, this is going to be a very very dangerous Bills team. And that's what I mean going back to the offseason. You guys know better than anybody. I was bitching how much I wanted a guy like Travis Etienne. I wanted a running back. I wanted a running game because Josh Allen, he can do it himself. Okay, 350 yards is not out of his uh, realm of possibilities weekly, but he needs somebody to take the pressure off. Now you got a guy like Devin who's doing the 4.1, 4.2 yards per carry. He is now that check down. The difference in this Dable offense. So remember, Jake, we were talking. I think I was even talking with you, Chris. It was like uh, we're saying uh, maybe some of these teams are saving themselves for the playoffs a little bit they're not showing their full arsenal i feel like that's what the bills did here and dable did that and he showed it last week we didn't see a lot of check downs from josh allen just take what the defense gives you that dawson Knox uh, end zone toss in the back of the end zone where he's rolling out basically out of bounds on the sideline yeah. that's what we've seen from josh creativity wise all year long but the dump offs you know the quick read and find your guy we haven't seen that from buffalo all year now it's josh understanding you know what i'm gonna take what you give me you're gonna give me short i'm taking short you're gonna hand it off hopefully devin gets four i'm gonna give short again and then i'll hit you deep like he found everybody last week and i love how this offense is moving systematically and i really think man like you're saying if devin if playoff devi can get it going man i mean we're gonna be tough to stop it's just it's nice to see somebody other than josh allen run the ball in the postseason because last postseason that's all we saw was just josh allen and no running back yeah agreed and we've Talked about Devin Singletary a lot. Like he's a guy that we felt was capable of it. He just never got an opportunity. He was losing touches to Matt Breida. He was losing touches to Zach Moss, Zach who Moss. absolutely blows. I mean, come on. But yet when they actually commit to him, the guys looked pretty good. And I have a feeling that once you see something like that, you can't just go away from it. It's like it's like once you start peeing, once you stop, or once you start, you just can't stop because it stings. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what you got to do with Singletary. You got to just keep giving him the football and hope that, you know, at least throughout these playoffs that they can continue to ride the hot hand. That's true. Let the man pee. You hold your pee a lot? No, but I've watched Dumb and Dumber before. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, man, there, <laughs> there's, 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 there's pills that help a flow come out better. Oh, my flow is strong. <laughs> no, there, there, are there are times when you're peeing someplace like you shouldn't be peeing, and if you sometimes yeah, you, you got to chop it off. Yeah, you I do. Agree. You got to cut it off real quick. Okay, nope, okay. I can't do that. It's not <laughs> no, healthy. Just, just let it flow. Hold on, sir. Don't give me that ticket just yet. I got to yeah, hold on. Hold on. I got to finish this. Trust me, it's better for both of us. Speaking of those San Francisco 49ers, 23 to 17 over the Dallas Cowboys. Quite shocking. Dallas was the only, I believe, home team that lost this weekend. The ref thing at the end. So can we talk about this? Because this has got big news. Dak didn't take any accountability for his uh, for his play. I don't like it. So there's, there's a number of topics here because who deserves more blame? I get it. It's the head coach. Mike McCarthy is the man. And he deserves to shoulder all the blame. I get it. 
But Kellen Moore, man, I mean, he he's the play caller. This is this is like the Andy Reid and Bienemy situation where Andy Reid says, Hey, I'm just the coach. Bienemy calls the plays. It's the same shit in Dallas. There's no difference. I mean, and then the fact that Dak, when he went on the thing, okay, you know what? I'll even he apologized and said that you know what he was wrong for saying the refs and all that stuff. But I mean, fine, I'll accept that. I don't really care. But I mean, for him to not take accountability for his poor play is kind of what bugged me in that presser because you guys look like crap the whole game long and you were lucky to be necessarily in that situation because San Francisco did everything in their power to give you that game at the end and you're going to put it on chalk it all up just to a ref spotting the ball because you gave it to your center? I mean, I don't know, man. Where are you guys at with that one? If that was like the game-winning score and like that's where the play happened and like, oh, they got in, but we don't know if it got off in time, okay, I can understand some of the emotion there, but... Dude, you were still like 30 yards away from scoring a touchdown. Whoever it was, they either called the quarterback draw up the middle, or maybe it was Dak himself. Maybe he audible to it or something. We just don't know that. Maybe he changed the play. We don't know. Nobody said anything. But whoever made that decision to run the ball at the middle would have been a genius call with like 45 seconds on the clock. You don't do that with 15 seconds, knowing that you have to have all those X factors in there to spike the ball and have a chance at the end zone. So... 15 seconds or so, whatever was left right there on the clock. It's not enough time, especially for as big of a, a run as he had. It was a great play call. And like I said, if had they done that with like 45 seconds and picked up 20 yards on a quarterback draw, got up there and spiked the, spiked the clock and had two shots at the end zone, everybody would have been like, that was absolutely genius. And it's just kind of one of those situations where if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're an idiot. And in this case, somebody in Dallas is an idiot. And I don't know who it is. I don't really care. Uh, that's not why they lost the game, though. They lost the game earlier in the game without, you know, putting points up on the board. That was just a, yeah, they didn't have a shot at the end zone, but there was no guarantee they were going to score a touchdown. It's not like they were robbed of a win. They were robbed of an opportunity at a Hail Mary is all they were robbed of. They still lost that game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Dak wants to point any fingers, maybe he should look at the film of himself in the first half. I mean, the decisions that he was making were just absolutely horrendous. And at the end of the game, you know, on that, you know, that, that last play on the, on the QB's draw and the scramble, I mean, Dak should have had the awareness to know that he or his center can't actually spot the ball. A referee needs to do that. And that's something that he must know. So the fact that he didn't just immediately try to go find a referee and give the ball to the referee, that's also on, that's on him and his lack of awareness. I understand it's the end of the game. Emotions are high. You're trying to do whatever you can to snap that ball to give yourself one last chance. But given the way that he was playing the full first half of the game, if he had played just a little bit better, that game may not have had to go down to a final play or a potential Hail Mary. And here's the thing. I'm not an NFL uh, referee. I don't know all of their protocols for everything, but I do believe that that back judge should have been closer to the play when it ended. He was a long ways away, and you would think yes, that once was. you saw Dak break yes, off that big run, he should have been running behind it, and he didn't actually start running until Dak slid. So there was a huge gap that he had to make up. In my opinion, like I said, not knowing what they have to do or what they shouldn't be doing, I would have expected him to kind of be trailing the play a little bit closer, so he would have been more in the vicinity to hand the ball to instead of them waiting for him to run 20 yards. Yeah, yeah and man, the second he, that he, game he got ended, body checked, man. You saw he yeah. got body checked into the center on that one. The second that game ended, the second the clock hit zero, they're all every single referee on the field just made a beeline yeah. to the to the gate. Just was like they were every single one of them were like, "Yep, we're done with this game. We're out." Yeah. They knew the heat was coming, man, and the, yeah. the fans let them have it too. But I mean, San Fran. I mean, 
can Kyle Shanahan be trusted with a lead? This man is he, I literally, as I was watching this game, I said, they're doing everything in their power to give this game back to Dallas. Everything possible. The Jimmy G throws that shouldn't be throws run the damn ball. Eli was, <laughs> excuse me, running extremely well. I mean, I just, I Debo was running like a madman. Why are you, what is in, it's like he's got some Cliff Kingsbury issues in his head at that point. Like you're at the end of the game. Learn how to close that shit out. Run the ball, man. Do some screens, do some very safe stuff. Get your first downs, run the clock and go home happy, man. You made it so stressful for anybody. I'm not even a Frisco fan and I was stressed out. Yeah. And I don't see that changing. Like I, neither do I. I I mean, that's just kind of his MO, right? That's kind of what he is. And he's not going to change it for nobody, regardless of the situation. It makes it fun to watch because the games always seem to be a little bit more close than they should be at the end. Uh, But I think the X factor here is regardless of how stupid some of the play calling can be, Debo is that dude. Like Debo is, I'm going to give you guys some homework at the end of this show. And it's going to include Debo Samuel. So just a, I'm going to foreshadow a little bit because this dude and what he's done this year, the way they've utilized him, we better start getting ready for this to be a thing in the NFL because more teams are going to try to duplicate what they're doing in San Francisco because of the way that they utilize Debo Samuel. And The Bills already did it against the Patriots with McKenzie. Pretty much, yes, yeah, exactly. Co- copycat shit. 100%. Now, who's going to implement it season long? You know what I mean? We saw it somewhat in Atlanta with Cordero Patterson. I mean, that's going to start being a thing in the NFL and trying to determine who that's going to be. I mean, Debo Samuel makes up for a lot of the mistakes that, that are in San Francisco. And until he's no longer a 49 or until he's not on that field, he's going to save them a lot more times than, than we probably even realize. Yeah, I think we're going to see it until, you know, we see that first wide receiver one get injured and then teams might be backing off a little bit. But right now, I mean... Debo Samuel is the 49ers offense. Yeah, Mitchell had a great game, but Debo Samuel's the reason why this team is in the playoffs right now. I mean, I, I, I don't even hate the fact that they could probably do that with Ayuk. And then I even saw chatter people saying, hey, do the same stuff with A.J. Brown. I don't know if you you he has that skill set. Mm, you have to for that, right? And I mean, you have to have that uh, acceleration. You have to have that shiftiness. So it is a unique skill set you gotta have to be like a Debo, or you have just electric jets, i.e., the Tyreek Hills. I mean, McKenzie's not Tyreek, but he's pretty damn fast. And you can see the Bills and Dable implemented that in their offense, like I said. But it is gonna be more more of a thing coming out. I mean, the the jet sweeps the uh, why. Well, look, we saw with DJ Moore and Carol. Carolina man when when CMC went down and then Matt Rule and Joe Brady went away from it and then Joe Brady got fired like we saw it last year with Curtis Samuel Curtis at times Samuel. In, the, in the backfield it's it, it's like it's out there but it's not being used like mainstream yet but it's gonna have to be something as far as AJ Brown I kind of consider him more of a straight line runner not mm-hmm. somebody who's more of a change of direction guy that can t- take the ball to the backfield but there are some other guys out there that we should probably look at a little bit closer this offseason Yep, I completely agree. And I think that it's going to be interesting when you look at drafts next year, you know, how high do you take somebody like Debo Samuel? You know, is he a top three wide receiver in drafts next year? Probably. That's a funny point because now all of a sudden, you know how we look at quarterbacks with rushing upside. Now we're going to look at wide receivers with rushing upside. This changes everything for fantasy football. I think my chub just grew just a little bit. But Not boys- the cold weather there. Impossible. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it breaks free, man. It's I'm like strong like bull. Boom. <laughs> Okay, that's what she said. Sunday, L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First game, I mean, or actually, let's go Saturday first. I think we got some Cincinnati and Tennessee. Let's dive into this one because, I mean, for me, 
I'm thinking still, even with an injured King Henry, depending on if how his health is, I'm going to say that he's not 100%. Even if they put him out there, what, 15 carries, maybe 20 carries at most, I still think they're pretending. I, I don't believe in this Tennessee team. And Cincinnati, like we've been talking about, I mean, they're just so damn fun to watch. I, I, I'm thinking since he's got the early edge, even though they're the underdog. Go ahead, Chris. I'm going to let you take the, I'm, I'll let you start off with this one. All right. So Tennessee still is still one of my favorites right now in the AFC. Um, I think that they can definitely beat, you know, a team like Kansas city. I think they can beat the bills and it's going to, again, depend. It's going to depend on King Henry's health here, but even in 85%, 80% King Henry, I'll take that over any other running back right now in the playoffs. And for me, I love what the Bengals are doing. I think their offense is phenomenal. I, I, it's the defense. I mean, am I going to be able to trust that defense? You know, are they going to be able to stop Henry? I think he will stop AJ Brown. I mean, Tannehill can manage the game long enough and well enough to win this game. So for me, I'm, I'm all over Tennessee the rest of the way. I'll jump in quickly because the, the my only argument to what I said was because it's Houston, New England, bye week, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Frisco, Miami. I, it, to me, it was just the, the talent that they were facing is why I don't agree with them being, yeah, okay, fine. They're, they got the bye. They, they, they got the best record. But it comes with, to me with circumstance, without King Henry. So that's why everyone's sitting there saying, well, they're putting him up here. And I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, Chris. I just say that I'm not as trusting without 100% King Henry. With King Henry, yeah, you're, you're absolutely, to me, on point because he can just uh, demolish teams. But, I mean, without a healthy King Henry, I just I really struggle to believe that a team like Cincinnati, who is on the uptick, on the ascension, and they showed it against a team like Kansas City, Burrow's playing like a madman. I, they could be biting off more than they can chew this week. For me, it all comes down to, I guess you can say Henry plays a huge role. Obviously, he's obviously one of the best running backs in football. But you have a Tennessee offense that lost King Henry after week eight. So they played, what, nine games without him, and they still finished fifth overall in the NFL in rushing offense. They're arguably a top five rushing defense. So I'm not going to count on Joe Mixon a whole lot on the ground here this week. But what they don't do well in Tennessee is they can't stop anybody in the secondary consistently to save their life. And now they're going to get Joe Burrow with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. I, I don't care if King Henry's on the field or not. To me, I don't know if the Titans can score enough points to beat Cincinnati. I think that I think they're a good football team in Tennessee, but they really win ball games by controlling time and possession, running the clock, keeping the ball away from their opponents. If Joe Burrow can get a few possessions, and if they get an early lead, it's over because I don't know if they can really come back. I don't know if they have the offensive firepower to keep up with Cincinnati if Cincinnati continues to score. And I'm not sold on the Tennessee passing defense. That's the huge strength of, of the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, I still think the Bengals continue their Cinderella run. What do you think, Chaus? I, I love it. I'm, I'm all with it with Cincinnati, man. I think, you know, when you – playoffs, we know. You get hot at the right time. And it's things, confidence, right? It's and, about and confidence, and, and then things just start to manifest, man. I think that Tennessee can be a good team if they stifle you and they get pressure on the quarterback. How many times? I mean, we we talked about it when they played the Rams, okay? And that's the positive that I will give your point on that when you when you talk about Tennessee. 
Remember we were talking and Simmons was just a bully out there. He was mm-hmm. getting through. He was causing havoc, but then it kind of fell off again. And remember I said in that, I think we were all talking in that DM and I was like, you know, if they continue to ball this way, they will be a tough team to play because they will not ma- any, any team with inadequacy on the back end can mask all that shit on the front end with pressure and contain. And that's what they were doing. And then it kind of started to fall off and then you had lesser competition. So then that also masked certain things. Yes. You got AJ Brown. Who's healthy. Julio scored a touchdown the last time they played. Didn't he? Who so cares? Hey, Who? Julio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Julio, but okay, let's move on. San Fran and Green Bay. Here we go. This is a big one. Debo going to Lambo. T-shirts, man. I'm telling you, T-shirts, I mean, Headliner Nation. Debo going to Lambo. Debo to Lambo. Do they stand a chance? I, I think this is the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this up. Does San Fran really stand a chance on arrested Aaron Rodgers, you know, Adams, you know, Jones, Dylan, continue, whoever else you want. They got Jari back. They got Marcellus, uh, uh, y, uh, Marcellus, uh, Not uh, Whitney Marcellus back. Like, come on. Like, they're, they're getting healthy too, man. So, I don't yeah. know. This is tough for me. They got healthy at the right time, for sure. They they have momentum. They have veteran, you know, leadership. They have playmakers on both sides of the football. They have home field advantage. I love what we're seeing from San Francisco. I don't know if they can overcome this hurdle, though, because it it's still Aaron Rodgers. It's still Lambeau. Now you got the guys from the Bay going to play in Frigid Lambeau Field. I mean, it's just not ideal. Jimmy G not being 100% healthy. What do we see out of him? Do we see more mistakes, more forced throws down the middle You know, that end up in interceptions and turnovers? Because we know if you give Aaron Rodgers extra possessions, he's going to make you pay for them at some point. And I think it's just too much for them to overcome. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, there maybe there could be some some trickery in this game. I think from San Francisco, some of these trick plays that maybe we haven't seen in a while, just to try to you know try to get them some or some early confidence, some early an early lead maybe. Because if they fall behind to Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, I I don't see him coming back this week. Yeah, we're gonna have to see the game of the season from Debo Samuel, just because. I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody else on that offense beating Green Bay. Green Bay has a good run defense. You know, they're solid in the secondary and just top to bottom. Like you guys mentioned, they got healthy at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm shocked, to be honest with you, that they're only a six-point favorite right now because this game could easily get out of hand very, very quickly. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would love to see the Cinderella story. Like, I mean, I would love to see like a Bengals-Niners Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, that just sounds like cool. Bring you back to the 90s. Yeah. Joe Montana. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. But it's just like, I, I don't. Boomer Esiason. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I just can't. I think it's just too much this week uh, for them. If Jimmy G was 100% healthy, if, if they were, you know, full go, maybe they have an opportunity. But I think if there's any limitations, we've seen. When Jimmy G is good, he's solid. Like he's sure. not, you know, NFL MVP Jimmy G, but he's a solid NFL quarterback. But when he's bad, like it, it's like the the switch is just flipped off, and he is like really bad. And this could just be one of those things where if he's he's banged up with a shoulder injury, a thumb issue. Last time I checked, quarterbacks need shoulders and thumbs to play mm. football, so that that could be an issue. I I'm going Green Bay. Yeah, man, Jimmy G is either like uh, his ceilings, what Kirk Cousins, his floor is like Matt Schaub. So, I mean, you don't know who wow, you're getting. Wow, I haven't heard yet. that name in a while. <laughs> Mr. Pick Six, man, himself. But I mean, are we, are we talking about 
old school Matt Schaub or like current year Matt Schaub? We're talking like Houston Texan. Oh, so Matt he was Schaub. at least playing then. Okay, well, he was right. he was playing, throwing those pick sixes left, right, and center. But I got you. Matt Schaub, David Carr, whichever one you want to go. Whichever with. one, yeah. either yeah, Texas David, quarterback. Oh, oh, that one's even worse, man. Oh, Carr, you poor bastard. But I mean, I agree. I think Green Bay. I think they they run away with that one. But Sunday we got the big ones. I am so excited. I can't even contain it anymore. Anybody knows Cardinals? About the big let's ones go around here. It's me. Okay. I think I, I think I just peed myself a little bit, but hey, we're okay, man. Sunday, we got the first game is the Rams and the Buccaneers. Here's the interesting one for me, because these teams have already played. They played all the way back in September. Tampa Bay lost 34-24. Tampa Bay could be without their uh, starting uh, tackle wharfs here. I, that's a huge loss. Stafford gets his first playoff win on Monday Night Football. OBJ looks like he is home in, in L.A. Like, he just couldn't be happier. He's living it up with Jay-Z and LeBron. Cam Akers comes back from this Achilles. I still don't understand it. Five months and the man's running like Saquon. Take some notes, brother, because that's how you come back from an injury, man. Like he had worse odds than you. And he came back in five months, guys. I mean, but it's the goat. It's the goat at home. Yes, they are injured. Yes, they have issues. They're likely going to get Lenny back. They got Geo back. David was back. I mean, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. But I mean, this is one of the toughest games of the week for me to pick. I I have a hard time going against LA right now. I mean, they just they're they're clicking on both sides of the football. I mean, they're not even having to use we saw them not even really need Cooper Cup for the most part. I mean, that's like the, the number one receiver in football, and he's kind of an afterthought at times. You know, there's you know, Cam Akers coming back, Sony Michelle breaking off a 35-yard run to start the game. I mean, they're just making plays all over the place. Aaron Donald if we don't have Worfs on the offensive line for Tampa Bay, that's just something else to keep track of. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady is is the goat, and he's on a magical ride in Tampa Bay. But I, I don't, I don't see. I think it's going to be a close game, but I don't see any situation where LA can't answer Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I, they're not. I don't see one facet of their game where they're like severely, severely. You know, you know, playing from behind. I mean, you got look at the quarterback. Okay, Matthew Stafford, another veteran quarterback who's produced in this league, who has big time playmakers on on the offensive side of the football. He's not out there playing with a bunch of nobodies. I mean, it, it just seems like they could go punch per punch with with the Buccaneers and the way they're going right now. I, I, I got to go with LA. Ooh, spice, spice. It's, I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to go against LA. The one thing I'm going to be looking for with Tampa Bay is going to be their pass rush. I mean, they have a top two, top three pass rushing defense in the league right behind Buffalo. And we saw what they did, you know, against Philadelphia. Granted, yes, I know it was Philadelphia, but we've seen Tampa Bay do this all year long. They know how to get after the quarterback. And I do think that you make Matthew Stafford a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable, you know, under, under center, he's going to start making some mistakes. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. There is going to be Tampa Bay, how much pressure are they going to be able to put on Stafford? Are they going to be able to get after him? And if they can, if they can get that pressure on him, Tampa Bay is going to win this game. But if if that offensive line for LA is going to give Stafford enough time to get rid of the ball, I do think he's going to be able to just pick apart that Bucks secondary. And one thing that we can say about a Sean McVay that we can't say about like a Cliff Kingsbury, he's not afraid to still take those short underneath routes. Mm. Yeah. Whether it's a, a seven-yard slant with Odell Beckham or Tyler Higby across the middle. 
Didn't even hardly see a whole lot of Van Jefferson. Cooper Cup, we know he can beat you from any portion of the field anywhere. They have other options, and McVay is not the type of guy that always has to go deep. Usually they're setting up the, the their offense by, you know, we'll take what you're going to give us. And then once as soon as you kind of creep up a little bit, then we're going to go over the top and we're going to beat you. And they have so many different weapons. I mean, you just mentioned Odell Beckham, who in my opinion is looking like old school Odell yep. Beckham right He's now. Back. He's I back. mean, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you guys is what happens with Odell Beckham in L.A. after this year? I mean, we're talking about a guy who is still an elite level wide receiver on a team that is a Super Bowl contender, but is totally crowded at the wide receiver position. It's kind of interesting to think about what what happens with Odell in the future because the way that he's playing right now, he's kind of like the difference maker. Tampa Bay's a solid run defense. I expect them to kind of contain Cam Akers. But what is their answer for Odell Beckham? I don't know. I mean, because you know there's going to be a lot of defensive attention on Cooper Cup. You know Van Jefferson's going to be the guy going deep. Who's going to cover and pay attention to Odell Beckham? I mean, he could have a huge game. A massive That's game. the thing. I, I think what you might see is, you know, something that you see a lot of teams do when they play the Chiefs. You know, like they, you have these all these different offensive weapons. I think you're going to see a safety and a cornerback. You're going to see some bracket coverage with Cooper Cup. And then... <laughs> You know, whether it's uh, Jamal Dean or Sean Murphy Button, one of those poor bastards is going to be one-on-one in Odell and, they go and work. just for, forget about it. Absolutely That's forget it. about it. And if, yeah. if, they, if they're not good, if they're going to stop the run, you know that they're going to have to pass more. And I wonder how much Sean McVay is going to dedicate to the ground game. He's going to try to go short with a uh, cup. He's going to go deep with Van. But I mean, Odell has proven right now that he is the difference maker that you're not accounting for. And and people don't have that film enough to say, like, come on, how many touchdowns has he scored in the last few weeks? Right. I mean, it's been like three, six touchdowns four. in the last uh, there you since go. he's been a Ram. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, he is that guy that everybody is not understanding how to guard because everybody's so worried that Cup did it without Odell for so, you know, basically the whole year. So, I mean, it's a tough one for me. I just. The way that they beat them in that first game was a lot of Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford looked confident, didn't turn the ball over. I agree. We discussed it before, though. You know, maybe they were trying other things, to, and, and that's the reason why Stafford was throwing picks. But again, Stafford, first playoff win. He gets it under his belt. He looked good on Monday night. But again, Arizona, did they really give them anything to really compete against? against a, so this is the thing. These two teams are very similar in their front lines. They both have baller front defensive lines. Yep. These offensive lines are going to be the the key in the trenches to see who's going to do better in this contest. And for me, I'm I'm still struggling, and it's almost like I just got to give the edge to playoff Tom Brady because he's just he's has the experience, he's been there before, and turnovers may not even become a play because he's just going to get the ball at last, and then he's going to freaking score. But does he have enough playmakers to go down there and keep pace? You talk about the the awesome defensive lines on both sides. Okay, so if Tom Brady doesn't have a whole lot of time until Aaron Donald's in his face, who is he going to go to consistently? So if Leo's, if Leonard's back, I think it's going to be the uh, the Leonard Fournette Geo. We can see a whole lot of checkdowns. I, I think it's going to be both them. I think that, in, remember how they used to play in, in New England? Uh, I mean, Rem, you know this more than anybody. James with, White. With James White and, and Bolden, yeah. like, this and could Kevin, be Kevin Falk plan. before that, yeah. Kevin mm-hmm. Falk before that. So, I mean, this could definitely be the game plan for Tampa Bay. I mean, but it's it's of the closest of measures. This could literally be a one point game. It yeah, could be, but it's not going to be. The Rams are going to win by <laughs> Rams are going to win by ten plus. Oh, look at that! And going back to what what Jake talked about, as far as you know, what the future holds for OBJ and the Rams. If I'm the Rams, mm. I move on from Robert Woods and move, yes. move OBJ in there right next to Cooper Cup. Absolutely. 
I mean, you get, the, you get the money off the books for Robert. He's coming off the ACL. I would absolutely do the same thing. Is he? Is he? What's What's he got left on his contract though? I think is it's like have... it's like twelve mil. Yeah. Okay. So they they can they can get out from underneath it without a huge dead cap hit. But do you want to? Why Why not? Keep I, I think I think I would. If If you can't afford all three, I think I would. I would move on from Woods. I mean, because who are you going to keep? Vaughn's going to be gone. There's no way they're re-signing Vaughn. Yeah, no way. Right. Right. So I mean, they got to find cap dollars someplace. And and I mean, Cooper Cup, you're not getting rid of OBJ. Just he's the Flash man. He wants to be in LA, and I think they want him to be there. And, and that's they're not going to be able they're, to. They're not going to be able to save money through the draft. I don't, yeah, they're, they're, that too. I mean, I don't. I don't think that Odell's going to command a lot of money. I don't think that he's going to want a huge contract in order to stay in L.A. And he's not he's not taking alpha money anymore. No. No. And I think he's okay with that. I think he's got to the point in his career where he's okay with that. But the reason why I said, why, why not keep him? You got Odell, who's not historically a model of health. You have Robert Woods starting to rack up nagging injuries, then the torn ACL. If you have an offense that is severely, severely reliant on a passing game with Matthew Stafford. You have Van Jefferson there, kind of seems maybe I, I'd rely on, out. I'd rely on Van. I, I think Van could be your replacement for Robert Woods, in my opinion, at a younger at a younger rate, and and he's got the deep threat capability that we don't see from Robert anymore. I I I don't disagree with that. I just wouldn't be surprised if they don't let Robert Woods walk, or and keep him. OB, and keep OBJ and keep OBJ still. Ooh. If they win the Super Bowl, I won't be surprised if they try to keep the band together. I, I, yeah, I it just seems like it, Look it just seems did. like it works, right? For the first time, I mean, think about it. Even with Robert Woods when he was healthy and Cooper Cup before this year, they were good, but they were never like unstoppable until this mm. year. All of a sudden, when Cooper Cup excels and all that defensive attention goes there, and you still have alphas that are available to you. Like, how do you stop that? Like, I don't, I don't see how they let it go. And if acres starts to turn out to be a back that everyone hopes he's going to be, I mean, Jesus, you got an offense for days. You got, you got some, you got a a group of guys that you could stick together. Uh, They could rework some contracts. If they can do it in Tampa Bay, they can do it in LA to make some of these big names stick around and franchise people and all kinds of stuff to make things happen. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm and we're so and, sure. we're, and we're for, and we're forgetting that the salary cap is going up. It's this increasing, year. so it's going up back up. I think like twenty million bucks. So now you got extra money to play with. I, I think yep. they keep. I think they keep all this this group together because the chemistry works so well, and they just try to make a run here for the next few years, knowing that Tom Brady in the NFC as well as I don't want to say he's on the downhill swing, but there's a lot of question marks in Tampa Bay too with their offense going forward as well. One uh, one name to keep in keep in mind here is. Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle, who's but 40 or 41 years He's old, old. Um, that could be a cap casualty, and that'll save them about $10 million next year. So, boom. Good way to, good way to know. save some money. They, they, work, they work the books like the mafia in LA. Kroenke's got that shit on lockdown. They work like that in the NFL all over the place, all not over. just LA. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> LA just seemed, I don't even know. They just had empty pockets this year, and they just seemed how to get under that salary cap. I still don't understand. But without further ado, the matchup on Sunday that's gonna make me lose hair and have a heart attack. I'm telling you, if I if I don't if I don't speak to you guys after that game, I either died of excitement or died of you know brokenheartedness. But Buffalo taking travel to the Kansas City Chiefs. We already talked about the numbers. I mean, this is likely the best show in the in the of the week outside of the Rams Tampa Bay game. Bills beat them 38 to 20 back in week five. 
does that really come into play here? That's kind of what I've been kind of trying to think about. Do I really put a lot of stock into that week five outside of just confidence boost saying we already walked into your house and we beat you one time? I mean, I'm sure the players remember it, but I don't put too much stock into it because you can also go back there and say, hey, at that point of the season, Kansas City was playing a little bit different as well. They weren't exactly clicking either. The the issue is is they're not exactly clicking now. Like they're they've gotten better, but they haven't. They weren't what we thought they would be. The whole Danny Denny Green speech. We we let them off the hook. They we are who we thought they the were. Hook. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of who you know where Kansas City's at right now is which Kansas City team shows up every single week. It's going to be the out. It's going to determine the outcome of this game because I think if it's the the old school Chiefs show up, I'm sorry, the Bills are going to just hit the end of the line and it's going to come down to experience over anything. If the, I'm going to force things that I don't need to be forcing things. Patrick Mahomes shows up, then Buffalo is going to wax the floor with them. It just kind of depends on what kind of game plan is Andy Reed come up with? How willing are they just to take what Buffalo gives them and not try to force things too much? It's going to be fun. This is definitely one of those games where I can probably look at it and say it could go either way. Like I don't really look at it and say there is a clear cut favorite in this game. I mean, we went through all the stats, the Buffalo Bills, and obviously right now, stat-wise, number one team, in my opinion, in the NFL. But I I can't just ignore playoff experience when you have the level of weapons that they have in Kansas City. We still have Travis Kelsey. We still have Tyreek Hill. We still have Patrick Mahomes. And anything can happen when that trio is on the field. I will say this. Um, Bills Mafia mount up because this is going to be one hell of a game. When you're looking, and again, just looking at the numbers, the one thing that Buffalo really, really struggled with last year was getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They were bottom 10 in the league in quarterback pressure. This year, they're number one in the league in quarterback pressure. And if they could have gotten a lick of pressure on Mahomes in that AFC championship game, I think we would have seen the the Buccaneers embarrass the Bills instead of embarrassing the Chiefs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't got to go that far. Just saying. So for me, I think that's the biggest difference. And also in the previous meeting this year between the Bills and the Chiefs, Devin Singletary wasn't really even a factor. He had like five carries for 20 yards, I think. I think Zach Moss outperformed Singletary. So that's going to be the difference. For this game, it's going to be getting Singletary going, and it's going to be getting pressure on Mahomes. You guys do that, you will win this game. And I agree because the thing is – the defense is out there. We are, I've said this a hundred times on Kansas City. The book is out. The Bills won't blitz Patrick Mahomes. They're going to rely outside of maybe Milano a couple times. They're going to rely on that front four. Gregory Russo was a beast of a pick. This Basham kid that they brought in this year from the rookie, he's been good on the coming out. Epinesa has been fantastic coming in and off the bench. So, I mean, if you can generate very good pressure, I'm not worried about this KC run game. And that might be a bold take for me right now because the Bills were so shitty versus the run in, in a lot of big games. But really, am I really that scared of Williams running the ball? Maybe the, the X factor is that Jarek McKinnon right now where they used him last week and he did change some things up. But... With that said, I am scared of Tyreek because we don't have uh, Trey White, and and that terrifies me more than anything. Kelsey, yeah, I can see him doing some damage, but I mean, without Trey White, I really got to hope that Poyer and Hyde, man, they got their big boy pants on because they're going to have to do everything in this game in the back end. And I think it's just one of those situations where these two teams know each other really well. 
that's where it's just going to yep, come down to right. who makes the fewest mistakes because mm. they kind of know what's going to happen on both sides. They both know what to expect. They both know what each other excels at. It's just whoever has the least amount of turnovers is going to be the one that wins the ball game. Does anybody feel that, you know, Kansas City has played too much football and they look a little gassed? No, but I don't think so because I, they look like a very different team, you know, over the last, what, six, seven games than they did the first handful of games earlier in the year. You know, I think it was more of a fact that because they've played so much football, maybe teams have they've gotten more looks at them. They have had a more of a of a chance to not necessarily figure them out, but to find certain tendencies and find a way to slow them down or to confuse Mahomes and to make, force him into making more mistakes. But I mean, they haven't really played that much more football, you know, over the last two years than Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay still doing their thing. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say is if we're gonna use that argument for them, we gotta use it for Tampa Bay too. And they don't seem like they're gassed. They just seem like they're decimated with injuries. No, fair enough. I was just curious. But I mean, it's Tom Brady. I, I can't put Tom Brady like Tom Brady is just different. He's different. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't. Know. No. Right. The problem is, is the people he's relying on throwing the ball to do. Sure. And, fair enough. And there's just there. He's running out of options. <laughs> Tyler Johnson, MVP in that game. Maybe we'll see. I miss. I don't Tom. know. I feel like he hates Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I know he does, man. He I just agree. Hates he doesn't like throw. He drops one pass, and he's like, you know what? I'm not throwing you no more. It's like Mike Evans, that's Brady, Bronx, or bust. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. Brady. You drop. You drop a pass. Or you miss a block. You miss an assignment. You may not get the ball for the. You may not see the ball for the rest of the game. He's loving some geo right now, Thomas. Man, he just he loves his check down running backs to give him everything he needs. <laughs> yep. A couple things I did see. I want to talk about Mason Rudolph, man. Did you see oh, this? God. <laughs> This can't be true. Did you? That guy, no, there's no way it's true. Why would you even put it out there is my question. We are, what, January 18th. I think they have to because he's... But why? Because as of right now, he's on the active roster as the current backup. And they're going to... They, could they not just say we're reevaluating our, our room and we're, we're keeping all options open? I mean, remember when, when Ben was, was injured two years ago and they went back and forth between Rudolph and Duck Hodges? Like... If you if you're actually considering Rudolph to be your your next starting quarterback, I mean, then why would you bench him for Duck Hodges for most of the season two years? Exactly. Ago? Come on. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. And what's crazy about it is one of the most storied franchises in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been winners for decades. Like they just don't lose in Pittsburgh consistently, has no backup plan. For a quarterback that we've known for the last two or three years is on his last legs, literally and figuratively. And they have no backup plan. Now, honestly, I think they're going to have other options that are available to them this offseason. I wouldn't hate Kirk Cousins in Pittsburgh. Uh, do we see, I mean, Deshaun yeah, that's Watson. A, that's, still, a, that's a rumor right now that Kirk yeah. could be traded to Pittsburgh, too. We have Russell Wilson, who's constantly talked about trading block. We we don't know about Deshaun Watson yet. There's other. There's going to be other options. And one thing that's going to really draw interest from a lot of people is, like I said, you have a winning franchise, and whoever goes there is going to have weapons available. You got Deontay Johnson. You got Chase Claypool. You got Pat Fryermuth. What happens with Juju? Is he gone? Does he go somewhere else? That's the question mark. But you got Najee Harris in the backfield, a solid defense, and then they take care of the offensive line, uh, You know, a piece here or there you still have a contender and that's going to be a, a huge selling point for a free agent quarterback. And that's where I think they have to go. Cause I, I don't think they can draft somebody that's going to be a day one starter. And not I don't in think it, that they not this in this draft. Yeah. Uh, no. And I just don't think that they have that mentality in Pittsburgh to 
go into rebuild mode when they're still a playoff contending team. Like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You throw in Mason Rudolph, you're going to win four games next year at best. Agreed. 100%. You can't do this, man. I, I don't know. I mean, you guys got anything else you want to talk about and discuss? There was there was some. I mean, are we items. really gonna? I really don't want to end the show on Mason Rudolph. So somebody <laughs> think of something. Perfect. I have homework for you guys. Homework or, or I, like a quiz? I don't do I don't do homework anymore. Well, unfortunately, if you want a paycheck, you're going to do some homework. Whoa! All right, pro Whoa, bono. Let's go, Let's go. I'm out of here. But but this is not like tonight homework. This is over the off season homework because oh. I started to sit back and I was thinking, what the hell do we talk about? in January that is viable for fantasy football. Cause a lot of people are going to listen to this for fantasy football advice. And honestly, we can't give you a whole lot of advice because this season isn't currently over yet. So as we're talking about things for the next few weeks, I think there's a few questions that we really need to pay close attention to. One of them we hit on earlier, who is going to be the 2022 version of Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson? Who is it going to be? And I'm not looking for answers right now. I think this is just something we kind of talk about throughout the off season and try to look for because the NFL is a copycat league. Like they see something that works, another team's going to try it. Like you mentioned earlier with Isaiah McKenzie, there are going to there's going to be a wide receiver that is drafted in the eighth, ninth, tenth round this year that is going to surprise people because they get this type of role. We need to find out who that person is. Same thing at the quarterback position. Every single year, everybody wants to jump early for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and you get burned more times than not. Who's the guy in the 8th, ninth, 10th round that's going to finish inside the top five like a Tom Brady or a Matthew Stafford did this year? Because that's what happens every single year. And then lastly, this is the season of half-ass opinions for everybody. If you go throughout social media, other YouTube channels, everybody's out there trying to be you know, the hot take king for the offseason. You got to ignore all that crap. If you don't have facts, if you don't have reasons for these opinions, you got to you got to blow them off. I see so many people. Huh? Now is the time to sell Cooper Cup and Dynasty. It's like shut up. Like, what is it? Hey, with I got a be- I got a beef with that right off the bat. If if I'm jumping in on this right now, <laughs> you know, seriously, why do you even play Dynasty if you're gonna sell off every asset that explodes for you? The goal of fantasy football is to win, people. Yep. These guys, these these analysts that you see on Twitter, especially that come out and be like, you know what, man, Cooper Cup sell. Uh, who else, man? OBJ Debo. sell. I've heard Debo. Debo. Yeah, I saw Debo sell. What are you doing? Give your head a shake, man. You got some marbles that are loose, man. Seriously, reattach that shit and win some championships. You start selling players when you see the littlest of decline. That's when you start selling guys. You sell Julio two years ago because you saw a decline. You kept Julio this whole time, not because he got 1,900 yards like Hooper Cup this year and, oh, I'm selling him. Why would you sell an asset in a commodity that's going to give you trophies? This is the point. I don't understand these guys in dynasty football, man. It's like we spend our entire offseason and way too much of our own personal lives trying to find these diamonds, and then we find the diamonds, and we try to find ways to sell them. Like, why do you do that? And it it happens every single year, and it's not just dynasty, too. People are going to try to tell you why you shouldn't draft Debo and redraft this year and why you shouldn't. Everybody's looking for the hot take, and you got to be able to kind of differentiate between you know, research and analysis and just somebody trying to go out there and, and, and nail something just to get some form of, of attention. And it's it's going to be bad for the next couple months. So I want to make sure people are on the lookout for all that all that shadiness that we're going to see all over social media. Yeah, no, if you guys start seeing a lot of those hot takes, 
try to ignore it as best you can. And if you do have any questions, let us know, reach out to us because we'll tell you how it actually is. And we don't care about the clicks or how many Twitter followers we have or, or goddamn blue check marks left and right. We don't, it doesn't matter. Just come to us. We'll, we'll let you know what's going on. Tell them where to shove that blue check mark, Ram. Go fuck your blue check mark. <laughs> <laughs> with That's the accent, <laughs> with That's the accent bringing it out. Yeah, man. No, I, 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 I can never understand. That's the same. You don't put the same argument to it to trade away your guys in redraft when you have nine wins. It's the same argument. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm in redraft. I'm in. Re- you're, you're there to win. You're, yeah. If you're if you're not there to win, why are you playing to constantly turn over your team because you want to be a virtual GM? Then just go play best ball or go yeah. do something else. Like I don't go play Madden. Madden. Or yeah. Go play Madden. Madden. Exactly. GM. Like, come on. It makes no sense to me. But I figured the other two things. That's something that. I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody to say I know who the next Debo is going to be or I know who the next Cordero Passion, but I think as a as a group over the next few weeks, the next few months, if we're going to really try to do a service to the people who listen to us and watch us, those are the type of people we need to need to try to find early that we can focus on and tell people about before everybody else kind of hops on the bandwagon. Do you know yep. who I'm going to I'm going to drop right now one name and it's going to be Rager. And here's the thing. If everybody listens, I, I get it. I see the eyes coming out of his head, man. And I, <laughs> I am not a Rager fan at the moment. But year three is typically when these guys break out. He has been dog shit, but he has been underutilized. His confidence has been stripped wholeheartedly. He's got the body type for it. He is a contested catch freak, which shows his athletic ability. And he's got wheels. If they can utilize Reger in this offense like they do a Debo in the backfield, they were the number one rushing team in the league this year. It's something that they're definitely, I, I can see it, man. They're going to start to move it around. Because, I mean, look, look, can Jalen Hurts be your passer? Even if you add another wide receiver, whether it be Calvin Ridley through trade in Philadelphia, whether it be you go get, I just did my mock draft on a Headliner U, wink, wink, go check it out. But, I mean, either it's a, it's a Drake London or if it's one of these guys like Garrett Wilson, you bring him into Philly. Now you have another rookie you got to bring up. So I'm thinking it's either Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley type. You bring a vet in and you school up Rager a little bit. You give him a little bit of a role where he can gain his confidence. That gives him the sweeps, the jets, the rollouts. Do this. I think he could be something, something special. I would love have, it. You want to have a little fun did. for a couple minutes? Always. 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 All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list off a couple names and you give me your first... Your first impression, whether you think this wide receiver would fit that type of role. Okay. You ready? Mm. Jalen Waddle. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That would be exciting. To me, yeah. Jalen Waddle is definitely a name to pay attention to. What about Amon Ra? I'd, I'd I'm a little on the fence with no. that. Yeah, I'll, I'll say no, because I don't think he's got the top end wheels for that. What about Chase Claypool? No, I, I, I don't know if he has the frame for it. What about Elijah Moore? Yes. Definitely Elijah Moore. Yes. Elijah Moore is another name I think a lot of people need to pay close attention to. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him, and he was injured a lot in uh, second year with Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson took huge strides second half mm. of the year. He I really think did. that he's a name that... This Jets put- team, this Jets team is is one to watch out. If they they got two picks in the top 10, if they draft really damn well, they help the defense and get a baller wide receiver, they're on the rise, man. I Watch out for these Jets. I would say Rondell Moore, but I already know that nobody's going to use him anywhere in Arizona. I was just so. going to say that'd be a he perfect is the, example. He is the perfect player for it, too. I know, yeah. but it's, just, it's just not going to happen, so I'm not even getting my hopes up. <laughs> what about Kadarius Tony? Yep. Yes. If he, can, if he can just learn to stay healthy, absolutely. Yes. If yeah, he can I, just stay on the field. I think his yep. explosiveness. It, I it, love it. Yeah, I love it. It draws too much on his hamstrings, man. I feel like he's always going to be in the medical room, but absolutely. 
trying to find one more here, but the pickings are slim. DJ Moore. Yep. It's I mean, another as long as they decide to go back to it. Where I totally agree, but Matt Rule's an idiot. So exactly. I don't, what about... Mm, I was going to say Jerry Judy, but I don't think he's got the top end speed for it either. Mm. Yeah, um, he's like he's like, what, a four four eight guy? So, I mean, he that's could. That's enough. It's enough. He could. I mean... I mean, what was what was Debo coming out? He had to be. He had to be right around there. Yeah, yeah he was. He was four four some. Okay. I mean, we talked about like a Van Jefferson. I think honestly, out of all the names we just listed, the one that I'm going to go ahead and dive into the most, Jalen Waddle, makes me really excited. That, oh man, yeah. Because look at the volume he got in that offense, and then if they could figure out a way to work him in the backfield like a Debo, oh my god, he could be a top ten guy. And look, they even started doing that with Chase last week in, in yep. Cincinnati. Did you see that? He was yep. he was taking yeah. those jet sweeps too. So it's like, you know, the body frame for it, like because Chase is kind of like a running back. Waddle's a little bit smaller, but Waddle's he's such an got the speed. He, he's the speed is out of this out of this world. But I mean, he is a diff, such a different wide receiver. He's an alpha, no question. And the reason I say that, because he can separate in any form. And it's not just his speed that gets him the separation. How many times have we seen him do the double move back on the outside uh, sideline to bring it back in? And he was like six yards ahead of the guy just with route running. And then his speed takes over. I, he, to me, is like, I love Chase. But those guys are like neck and neck right now for me for love because they're just awesome. Yeah, I, I think what I think gives Chase the the bump is the quarterback play. Mm, Not that I don't like it. Tua, yep. but I think the offense and Joe Burrow is just going to suit Jamar Chase a lot better for years to come. Yeah, one guy I would actually would love to see in that role as well, just kind of looking through the teams here, and this is somebody that Chouse and I Patriot have, have talked about quite a bit is Devin Duvernay yes. from Baltimore. I yes. would love to see him in that kind of a role. He has that skill set as well. He's a thicker frame and he's got the wheels. I just Baltimore, man, Harbaugh, use your talent, dude. I just, yeah, that's just, it's a crapshoot with wide receivers there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, hey, just, that's just good. some homework, just some things that's to good. think about I for like the it. next few I weeks like and next few I months. I think we already I... aced the test, man. Well, I mean, we did. Well, we, we, we kind of have to narrow it down. We can <laughs> elaborate. I'm just saying, you know, like, we're we just gave, we basically gave. They're not even half-ass opinions because we actually backed it up with a few reasons why. But, yeah. I mean, we'll bring the facts later on because these are some of the names that they're the people that could win you in 2022. And I yep. think, man, if it turns out to be like we're looking for wide receivers with rushing upside like we do quarterbacks, fantasy football is going to change big time, man. And we're going to tell so high on Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Hurts. Yeah. Oh, that, before we get out of here, then I'm going to say, do we trust these rushing quarterbacks at this point? Jalen Hurts, he was playing hurt. Uh, Kyler Murray, he was playing hurt. So, I mean, did Lamar Jackson, he was playing hurt. So where are we now on this rushing quarterback upside? Are we feeling a little bit more scared on it? Yep. Um, for me, I'm not as scared just because, I mean, the injuries are going to happen. They're going to occur, you know? So for me, I'm still going to be prioritizing rushing quarterbacks over non-rushing quarterbacks in my drafts for me it, i'm kind of looking at like a five-year window like five mm-hmm. years into their career if they're a rushing quarterback i'm gonna start looking elsewhere because as the career extends they're more and more likely to have uh, some type of a serious injury and not gonna I say agree that with that all of them are but that's for me it's a five-year window if you rush the ball as a quarterback and you're year five or later 
I'm looking somewhere else. And especially if your, your medical history is starting to pile up. Exactly. Yeah, I, I got to say so, man. It's a worrisome thing. I mean, Josh Allen's a little bit different. He scares me half to death when he goes diving into everybody. But I mean, he'll just get decapitated rather than likely rolling something because he doesn't use like extreme like rabbit speed like Kyler does. But he's also built differently than any other Russian quarterback in the league. That's right. He's 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 built like Cam, but he just I don't know. And yeah. he's not I wouldn't. I think he's more of a pocket passer with, that has the ability to rush. Very he, true. He's not a run-first quarterback. In my opinion, Jalen Hurts is reliant on rushing to kind of make up for his shortcomings in the passing game. I don't consider Correct. that to be Josh Allen. So I think as his career progresses, we see him run less and less and less, and he still develops as a, a better passer back in the pocket. So, I mean, yeah. Josh Allen is kind of like the outlier but I don't ever draft Josh Allen or anybody anyway because they get drafted way too early, and I don't take yeah. quarterbacks that are. But as far as like Lamar Jackson, out. Not I'm not drafting Lamar anywhere unless he severely falls. What about Kyler? Nope. Out on Kyler too. Yep. The, the problem is, is you have to draft him like the fourth or fifth round. It's the I value. I, I yeah, get it. I just can't it's do where it. They're if he going. falls to the eighth, yeah, sure. What? Yep. Absolutely, but no. Not, not where you're going to have to draft him. No, I totally agree. That was fun, gentlemen. I enjoyed that. Well, good. You did. Your team's still in the playoffs. Yes, they are. That's why I love life right now. I'm going to sleep well this entire week until probably Saturday evening. Mm. I just probably won't even sleep. You're just going to crap yourself all weekend. I will. I'm not even going to watch the Bills game. Why? 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 Why would you just? (laughs) I'm just just going to turn your notifications on Twitter, (laughs) and you'll just you'll you'll know exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go. I can kill two birds with one stone and get some chores done around here while I just listen to you live tweet the whole thing. <laughs> it's true. If you see a bunch of f bombs, you know we're losing. <laughs> yep, and I know things are bad. <laughs> things are really bad. Yep. Anyway, man, let's close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Vineyard Remedy. Jake on Twitter at FNTSY Headliners. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.